0: On this episode, I'm in the room with my dear friend, Jen Abadacola. Welcome to In the Room, episode number 82. I am your host, Ryan Hughley. For those of you joining me for the first time, I'm the founding and lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the author of Eight Hours or Less, Writing Faithful Sermons Faster. This week, I had the privilege of talking with a person who I admire most deeply. Jennifer Abaticola is the senior director of Campus Life and Harvest Kids at Harvest Bible Chapel in Elgin, Illinois. Her list of accomplishments is long, but I know it would embarrass her, so I'm I'm not going to get into them all. And truthfully, despite everything she's accomplished, I think Jen's most admirable attribute is the manner in which she has walked through a four-year period marked by one heartbreaking loss after another. I've thought a lot about it, and and I really think I can safely say I don't believe I have ever seen someone uh, walk so closely with God through such significant loss. And we're gonna get into all the details of that in our conversation, so I won't spoil anything now. What I can say is that in the over 80 conversations that I've had on this podcast, this was by far the most difficult for me personally. You're gonna notice some dead air at times, and that's not because there's audio issues, uh, nothing happened to the internet, there was no issue with our Zoom connection. There are a number of moments where I have to really try to gain composure so that I can continue to talk with Jen. See, my hope for in the room has always been honest, raw, vulnerable conversations. But sadly, I have found it very challenging to get Christians to open up in that manner. Thankfully, Jen was generous enough to open the door to her inner world over the last four years so that we can look inside. And I am so very confident that you will be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. So without further delay, it's my honor to invite you in the room for this very personal conversation with my friend, Jen Abadacola. Since the first time I met you, uh, the thing that struck me the most was I don't think I've ever met anyone besides maybe my mom, who was in children's ministry as well, that has such an obvious, deep love for kids and teaching kids, and not everybody has that. And so I, I wonder where, if you have any sense of where your deep love for kids comes from.
1: Um, I, Yeah, I think that's really funny about myself because I never uh, liked babysitting. I didn't really like children, and I always wanted a career. Uh-huh. Um, when I was in college, I wanted to get married and have a career. I okay. didn't really ever think of having a family. So the fact that I'm in children's ministry is really interesting, and I would say the drive behind that is that I believe children are entrusted to us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't own them. They're not here to make our dreams come true. They are image bearers of Jesus Christ and entrusted to us, and therefore should be cared for with the most amount of detail as possible and i believe that um the only real answer to any person's happiness is a relationship and friendship with god through jesus christ and i want them to know the truth yeah so the privilege to teach them the truth and influence a generation uh, really is outside anything i ever thought i'd be doing with my life and um, so, I'm not educated in child development. I have read a lot of books and tried to stay current. And um, I think that just as 50 years ago, we knew different things about medicine and seatbelts and um, healthcare and um, all kinds of things, we know different things about children and how they develop. And you need to stay current.
0: Yeah. So if if it, you're in college and want to have a career and children's ministry and children in general are not on the horizon for you, what was your first step in? I don't even think I've ever heard you talk about. what. What? How did you even get into ch- children's ministry in the first place?
1: Um, I was hired at my church to start um, a summer day camp and to uh, do some things with weekend ministry with a really great team that, I learned so much from on from policy and procedure to security, to how to write instructions and develop a scope and sequence. And I um, grew in all of that because of them. They taught me well and I learned from them. I watched them closely. And and I'm not the smartest person in the room when it comes to all of this. Here's what I do. I find the smartest people in the room and they don't scare me. And I like people that disagree with me at the table.
0: Yeah, So I bring all those people in. Yeah. And so high five is what you're talking about, right? High five yeah. was the step. And so I think yeah. high five is the first time we met, right? Even when I knew Mark.
1: Yeah. That may have been the first time. No, I don't think high five was the first time. Maybe. I don't totally remember. But I know the first time I saw you was you were leading
0: mm-hmm. a
1: chapel for Spiritual Life Week at a Christian school that's part yep. of our church. Yep. And um, I thought what is going on in this room? This is amazing. And I want those people to lead this thing that I'm supposed to be doing. So that was 2007.
0: Right. I remember that. I remember, I think my most distinct memory. So for people that don't know, I was a worship pastor before I became a church planter and lead pastor. And my favorite uh, people to lead has always been kids. You know, my mom was in children's ministry for 15 years. And so, Um, I just, it's the most fun. I feel like they're the most unhindered in their worship. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we used to come and do stuff for the school and then you invited me to come do high five. And I think I remember, I think it was on the last day we were doing undignified, which was just like the rowdiest, the rowdiest music experience in my whole life. Yeah. And, uh, didn't you blow out your knee that day? One year I did blow out my knee. It wasn't that year, but it it wasn't the first year.
1: Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I was thinking
0: about that today. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> I mean, seeing you go down and that's how, I know. That's how you know you're worshiping heart is when you need to yes. pray afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it, now it's been, so that was 2007 was the first year of High Five?
1: 2008. I saw
0: 2008. you in 2007. Okay. Yes. So I think one thing I love about you, even just being your friend on social media, is seeing that your passion for High Five and for the care of these kids has not at least does not appear to have waned. And is there any of you, have you ever had to work at maintaining that passion or does it come naturally for you?
1: Um, Which is funny that it does. Like even today I had a call with a a few people, um, leadership from other campuses. And I said, listen, we're going for this hard. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we are not giving up. We're not set stepping back. I have Mm -hmm. more energy than ever to make children's ministry, and to build these teams through the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, the most impactful thing that we can do for the gospel. This yeah. is what we're called to do.
0: Yeah,
1: And it is an honor to care for children that have no voice, their children are defenseless, their children, and are vulnerable, their children.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And so um, I've, I've not given up on that.
0: Yeah, I love But that.
1: I, the Lord can take it anytime. It belongs to him. So I, do, it's not mine. Yeah. High five does not belong to me. And um, I belong to the Lord. So whatever he wants to
0: do with me, I am his slave and his servant and I'll do it. Love that. Well, most of our, of our ministry relationship, the things that we've been able to do together have been major high points in my life uh, with high five. And I mean, genuinely after, I don't know, doing some version of this for 20 years now those high five experiences that we had are some of the greatest but i, I really? also know oh my goodness yes uh and started the, I think,
1: something great with us like really it's it amazing
0: um but i also know that ministry has not been all celebration and <laughs> blowing out your knee having fun worshiping and so you're um in a ministry that has been through an immense amount of difficulty and transition over the last few years. Right. And, and I, and so I wonder um, without getting into any of the details of that, cause it doesn't really matter. I'm more curious about you. Cause what, what is unique is, is what is not unique is that anyone who serves in ministry for a long season of time is going to go through a very difficult season in that ministry. So the Mm -hmm. circumstances might change what stays the same. What we all have is we all go through hard times. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: when you reflect on the last three to four years in particular, I'm just curious what your experience has been like as you've walked through that specifically, just what the range of emotions are that you've experienced. Cause I think in, in helping in talking about that, it helps other people not feel crazy if they're feeling some of the same things. So what, what has been the range of emotions that you've experienced the last few years?
1: Um, anger, um, loneliness, Hmm. um, questioning your own self and your ability to make decisions. Um, heartbreak. Um, You know, what did I give some of my best years of my life to?
0: Yeah.
1: Everybody's in ministry knows the sacrifice that it takes on a family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, it's, there's hard, it's hard to put words to what you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you do a lot of self-examination. And okay, Lord, show me the truth here. Yeah. In me, in me. Um, If you miss the opportunity of the pain to ask the Lord to reveal to you what he wants you to know, so to me, to what he wants me to know and learn through this, you've really
0: missed the opportunity. That's so good. So, a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, You know, sometimes, when you go through some version of what you've walked through the right decision for a person or for a family is to transition somewhere else. And that was certainly true for me, uh, where I was before here, it was, it was time for me to go. It was not the right thing for me or for my family or for the church I was in for me to stay. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of people in your, in you on you, that you have served with in the past that the right thing for them to do has been to leave and to transition, but you have stayed. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious about two things, simple questions with, I think, (laughs) deep answers. How and why Mm -hmm. have you chosen to stay in the midst of that?
1: Yeah, that's a question lots of people have. (laughs) I get asked. um, We haven't actually ever answered it publicly, so this would be the first time. I've actually never done a podcast before.
0: Oh, well, you're doing awesome.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, let me see. Why did I stay? And how did I stay? I stayed because it's what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And so I am like audibly.
0: Cause I would have needed, I would have needed like an audible, like not just an internal impression, but like thus saith the Lord. Like, did you, mm-hmm. did you really, did you have an, um, did that happen? Cause I think people wonder about that. Did mm-hmm. you just feel a sense of this is where i am I have not felt a release or do you really did you hear from God this is this is where I want you you're kind of like Esther for such yeah. A
1: yeah no i I um this was not a thus says the Lord audibly yeah I'm not i I believe that happens yeah but this isn't that situation yeah um this was um never hearing to leave yeah and um never like feeling at total peace and confidence that I was, I'm supposed to be here. Wow. So I don't have any, I don't think I made the wrong decision. And, um, you know, you know me well enough that I have a little bit of a sassy personality. Yeah. So um,
0: it's one of your I best attributes. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. I don't
1: get up one day wondering or caring what people think of me.
0: Yeah.
1: I probably should care a little bit more, but um, so I doesn't, it, what anybody else is doing, I feel like they people needed to leave, and um, God called them to leave, and all of that is mixed together. Yeah. And I love them, and I want the best years of ministry to be in front of them. And I believe that some people um, stayed. And if you're ever – Wondering if you made the right decision to stay or go, I can tell you there's one right decision and that's how you do it. It's so good. So um, if you can stay and be godly and loving, great. If you can leave and be godly and loving, then do that. We can't fail at love. Yeah. So and good. so uh, that was my goal, to be loving.
0: Yeah. How, how have you, you know, I, I talked to so many Ministry leaders—it's been happening a lot more and more in my own life in the last two years. I've been talking to a lot more ministry leaders who are um, getting really chewed up uh, in churches, and yes. and their response it, to that is different than what I know your response has been. Yes. And and what I, what I see commonly is uh, this sort of an embitterment that grows, where people become bitter uh, Mm -hmm. toward church, toward ministry, toward God, toward people and toward everything. Mm -hmm. How, how have you, have you had to actively fight any amount of bitterness or how have you, is it just the grace of God on your life? How, how have you kept from being embittered through this?
1: Um, I don't like, thankfully I, there's things I struggle with and sin I struggle with for sure. I don't struggle with anger or hatred. So um, I don't struggle with regret, and I understand that people do, and they're on their own journey with the Lord. I have my own struggles. So the reason I believe that I'm not that way is because I, I anything I say sounds self-righteous, and I don't even want to say the words because I... Like the Lord set me on a course. In the last four years, there's been so much loss in my life. Let yeah. me just, say that. Yeah. and He set me on a course, um, you know, in 2016, of meekness, power under control, mm-hmm. and so, like through your spiritual journey of studying Scripture, he, you know, He's putting these he's giving you what you need before you know, you need it to navigate those waters.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know if I'm answering your question. I don't think I'm doing a very good job. You are. Yeah. I just want to be so careful to be loving to people that are struggling Hmm. because uh, like these moments in our lives are pauses, they're commas. They're not the end story. And so those people that are struggling, um, with so many feelings, there is a—they're not going to be there forever. Yeah, there's going to be a new day that they wake up to. I could give you a lot of things, and I'll, I could talk to you for hours about the things I did. Mm-hmm. but all of it just seems super self-righteous for me to talk about. And I'm not comfortable talking about yeah. my attitudes and what I yeah. chose and what God did for me and what he told me and where I went in scripture. And I don't want to do that to
0: people that are listening. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to hurt them.
1: Yeah. So I don't know how to answer that
0: question. But I think, I think you did. I think, I think you talking about the way that God we're going to talk more about it now, but that God has used hardship to form meekness in you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the answer that you haven't been bitter <laughs> is you've, you've, whether or not it was an intentional conscious decision, I'm going to battle bitterness through meekness mm-hmm. in your own formation. That's what God has done. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really important. And I've seen you, I think to speculate about it from the outside, I've just seen you in a, in a posture of surrender, over and over and over again, which I think is what has formed this meekness in you. And I think that that is when we go, when we experience loss, when we go through hardship, especially when it feels in, uh, unjust, I think it's, it's so hard to surrender to whatever God's doing in that. And we're more inclined to rise up over it. And I'm certain you've had moments or days or weeks where you have felt that and even done that, but your, your overarching posture has been one of surrender. Yes. And I think that has formed a deep meekness in you. And I don't think that's self righteous at all. Thank you, Ryan. Yes.
1: <laughs> we, we met. I don't like self righteousness. I don't like Pharisees. I mean, it's, like, that's yeah. the problem for me. Yeah. I, you know, I, um,
0: it's just very unattractive to me. Yeah. It's like kryptonite. It's, it's real. Like we say all the time at Ridgeline, it's okay to not be okay. Um, I would say that the only sort of asterisk we have on that is that's the one area like to be self-righteous and, and be um, determined to stay that way is the one, that seems to be the one, the one kind of person that does not last in our church. We have a very diverse makeup, Mm -hmm. but self-righteousness does not seem to be able to live for very long in our, and I'm very thankful for that, but it is, it's very like running up against it, especially when you've been crushed under the weight of it is Mm -hmm. very, it's very hard for sure.
1: Yeah. I have, I I could do a whole nother podcast with you on legalism and self-righteousness. Yeah. And, um, how I feel about all of
0: that. Yeah. Well, what well, we did, as we talked a second ago, we, our original connection came through Mark. Uh, yeah. And I don't think I've ever heard the story of how you guys met. So mm-hmm. tell me, tell me about when you and Mark first met.
1: We met uh, when we were young um, in junior high and high school at Silver Birch Ranch in White Lake, Wisconsin.
0: That's right.
1: Wisconsin, Yes. Um, we didn't actually really have conversations with each other. He's a few years older than I am. And, uh, but I, this boy that I liked in high school was his dear friend. Mm-hmm. And I love this guy. Yeah, And, um, so he, the way we would be able to see each other, um, occasionally would yeah. be Mark would bring him up for Sunday night church. And, um, so I would sit in the back with this boy and Mark would sit in the back with his girlfriend and I mean, sit in the front with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I went to college and, um, fell in love and he got married and, um, sadly that marriage ended very shortly. He was very young and sadly. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my heart broken and um, graduated from college and had my heart broken. And um, the Iraq uh, war happened Mm -hmm. and he went off to war and all of these friends from camp would talk. And of course, all the news then was all these people, there was going to be mass casualties. And so um, he came home, he was fine. He was in Chicago and um, one of our mutual friends you know, thought maybe there might be something there. And so I said, I'm going to go out for lunch with him and find out for you because you can't screw up this social situation. That would be awkward. (laughs) And so we met for lunch and um, he just made me laugh and was so much fun and wanted me. And um,
0: that's how we started dating. And what year did you guys get married? 1992. All right. Awesome. I was 12. I wasn't sure if you... Wanted me to do the math for you.
1: (laughs) I'm 53. All right.
0: (laughs) When you, when you, when you think about Mark, I mean, for, I mean, any of our mutual friends that are listening to this know, uh, the story of Mark and all of that. Um,
1: it's okay, Ryan.
0: (sighs) It's um, uh, still super hard for me to talk about. Um, but I have this long list of of virtues that I loved about him so much. And um, he's gener- genuinely one of the most important friends I've ever had in my life. And, though he wasn't that much older um, than me. He was um, very much a spiritual father to me. At, at, I mean, at least a spiritual big brother. Um, he loved you. He is, uh, when, when I felt called to plant a church, uh, he's the first person I really sat down to. I was in the at least in the first three conversations I had about that. Um, and was such a good friend, you know, throughout that that whole process. And so there's just all of these I could I could sit and talk about these virtues that I observe. But I, I wonder what what you when you think about his legacy, what are the virtues in his care? Because it's he did amazing things. He was an amazing pastor and an amazing leader, but those are never the things that stick out to me Mm -hmm. it's always more about who he is uh and so when you reflect on that what are what were the virtues that you think define him the most
1: um he held tightly to his convictions Mm -hmm. and um you could not move him from those Definitely. He um, loved loved God's word. Mm-hmm. And um, he was extremely loyal, always for the underdog, yeah. always. and um, was not an elitist. Mm-hmm. He was a common man. mm-hmm. that um our marriage was driven for the gospel it was a partnership for the gospel
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and the kingdom and um you know a hard worker hard worker wanted everything to be better Um, would go to the mat for anyone and could not stand um, injustice.
0: Yeah.
1: um, Bullying, intimidation, um, and there are stories of him from a young age mm-hmm. defending people that needed to be defended. Yeah, starting with his brother, and uh, you know, he wanted—he never wanted any credit for himself. He was never comfortable with that. And um, which is what made his wake, like, make me giggle for a second. I yeah. mean, which sounds really crazy. But yeah. the yeah. amount of people that came to his wake, thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. And um, I was like, he would have hated all of it. He would and have. I did it, which is their show. <laughs> when I didn't, I thought a few hundred people would come. So, yeah. like, I didn't think that many people would come. But, um,
0: you know, I don't know. He was yeah. an unusual man. Yeah, he was. I, I The first time I met him was also through chapel, I believe. I think I was leading worship at a chapel, maybe yeah. even that spiritual emphasis week. And, and he was the speaker for the week. And he was just so great with these kids yeah. and um, so warm and so kind uh, to me. And then I think our relationship definitely went to the next level when we were I was getting ready to be assessed uh, to plant uh, my first church. And he invited me to come on to his team uh, at Harvest for until my assessment was finalized. And he was basically like, that way, if your assessment goes bad, you can just stay here with us. And if it goes great, great. And I, I still. What we wanted.
1: <laughs> we wanted yeah,
0: I know. But that was. We had
1: cubes next to each other, Do remember? I remember. That was, that I do that remember. Put together with duct tape. <laughs> That's right. I how I. Like,
0: it was pretty sketch and it was, uh, but I mean, even, even that was such a, and then when my assessment did go great and I left to go plant the church, uh, I never, he never expressed any disappointment. Uh, just the invitation to come with that in limbo. And then when I left to not punish me relationally or to be passive, like there was just none of that. Just, uh, there was, I never felt anything other than him being, pumped for me and being for me. And I think that's one thing I do remember most is just him having few people in my life that have ever been more for me, genuinely, Mm -hmm. apart from anything to do with him. Yeah. For years. Yeah. Yeah. For years.
1: He was a huge fan of yours. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, um, I wonder if you, uh, there's obviously a lot of people that listen to this that don't know about Mark and mm-hmm. don't know you, mm-hmm. and especially because you've never done podcasts before, I'm so honored to be. I've never the first told one. any of this out publicly.
1: Awesome. This is the
0: first time, uh, yeah. I-, I wonder if you would be willing to just, even though I know it's hard, it's it seems uh, harder for me to talk right now than you, but I wonder if you could tell the story of Mark's last day and what happened.
1: Yes, um, can I back up a little bit?
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, in the summer of 2016, I was in my bathroom out of all places. Uh-huh. It was in our house. And um, the Lord said to me that Mark had a year to live. Wow. And I started crying. And I went and I went, you know, we have five children, one child at a time. Yeah. And I grieved for each one of them. And I was just, no, no, Lord. This can't be right. Um, And he promised that he would take care of each one of them, one by one. And then I got to me. And I said, really? You're going to take the only man that's ever loved me? You're going to take him? And he's like, yes. And I gathered myself together and I went downstairs and he was standing at the side counter that we have in our kitchen, looking at his phone. And um, I looked at him, I was standing in front of our stove and I turned around and I looked at the stove and I just cried and I couldn't look at him and I never told him. And um, I went through that whole year and it was a very painful year. He had transitioned off the staff of our church, and um, you know, he worked for this amazing man in this amazing company who gave him a soft place to land and just so thankful for them.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, so the Lord was so good to me because he took that from me, which I can't explain on Christmas or our kids' birthdays mm-hmm. or our anniversary. And, um, my 50th birthday came that year and I didn't think of it. And he made my 50th birthday really sweet. And, um, he, after that, we were sitting on the couch one day and he said, he had traveled the whole year. He was hardly home. And, um, he said, John, I just want to make your dreams come true. And we were going to be married for 50, 25 years that year. And I thought, I started crying and I was like, how is this happening?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, we did our, you know, I did my 10th high five. He came on the last day. God had ordained it that he had bumped into all these people in airports and all of these things and all over the place. And even now you hear stories oh, this is where I saw him like the last month of his life. And God was so good in all of that with all these people. Like I've received all these beautiful letters and I've kept them all for his children. And all these cards, I've kept every single card, every single note, all the social media posts were printed out by a dear friend and her daughter and put in this book like for his children and grandchildren. And, um, so like just, the stories that have rolled in, but we, um, I did my last high five, number 10. And then, um, We're thinking about a different baseball team for our son. And for some reason, I felt super convicted that that needed to happen before we left for our summer house in uh, Door County, Wisconsin. And so we met with this coach on a Saturday, and then we got in the car and we drove to Door County. And there was Sunday, and there was Monday, and there was Monday night. And Monday night, I mean, just quite honestly, he got really mad at me. Hmm. And he started yelling at me. And um, Sophie was crying, and he was yelling at me, and I was trying to calm him down, and um, we went to bed that night. and married a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the next morning we get up, and um, I was like, um, you know, I don't really like that you yelled at me the night before. This is what I'm thinking in my head. Yeah. And uh, I'm not, you know going to be all, like it never happened. Yeah. But I'm not going to punish the rest of the people there either, you know. And so uh, I get my coffee, I get my book, I go down to the lake to sit and read. And I see him messing around with one of the kayaks. And the Holy Spirit just said, get in the kayak. I, like, I don't want to get in the kayak. I don't want to be around him. I want to read and drink my coffee. Mm-hmm. I like, go get in the kayak. And I, Ryan, I, I remember every single step. And I watched my feet walk in the grass
0: hmm.
1: all the way to the kayak. And I said, can I go with you? And he looked at me with the sweetest smile of regret and thankfulness. You know, when you get grace in your marriage that you don't deserve, we all get it. Yep. And um, he's like, I would love that. Got in the kayak and we paddled around the lake and I sat in the front and he sat in the back and we talked. And uh, talked about a lot of things, nothing about the night before. We were coming back in, and uh, my brother was taking out um, the girls, um, the older girls, and um, my assistant, Amanda, was with us, and um, my niece is on a pontoon boat, and they go speeding by, and my girls take pictures of us on the kayak, and that was the last picture taken of us. Um, A couple minutes later, we're at the pier, and... um, all of a sudden I hear, I can't breathe. And I hear a splash. And I turned around and he's in the water. And I said, I know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get me to jump out of the kayak to go to him. And then he's going to pull me in the water and he's going to kiss me and mess around with me. And yeah. he's going to think that's going to make it all better. But no, yeah. I'm not falling for that this time. I'm all done with that. Yeah, And I'm not going to get, all, I have a dress on and I'm not going to get all wet in the lake to have to go try to get clean at this lake house, which is impossible. Yeah. And like then he thinks it's going to be okay because yeah. this is what he would do. Yep. And I turn around and there's a kid in the water and um, this older, you know, kid, early twenties and my Sophie, who's young and Tommy, our son and my nephew. And um, they're all looking at me. And I'm like, don't touch him. Don't touch him. And uh, he's, he's kidding. And even Tommy's like, this is what he does. Mm-hmm. He's kidding. Don't touch mm-hmm. him. Like, But then all of a sudden, super quick, I was like, oh, no, he's not kidding. Yeah. And I started yelling, get him, get him. And I jump out of the kayak and I'm moving towards him. And this really strong young 20-year-old is moving towards him. And he grabs him out of the water and turns him over. And I look at his face and I knew he was gone. And I start moving towards him and we start dragging him towards the pier and we put him up on the pier. I have no idea how I did any of that. And um, I'm pounding his chest and, you know, I have 10,000 details about that day. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, I actually heard from the Lord. He actually told me. Um, I didn't doubt that he told me, but in that moment when what's happening is what he told you would happen of this yeah. magnitude, it gives you great pause. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know how much more of that you want me to share,
0: yeah. but it, it would take a long time to share everything. Well, I've, I don't. I haven't heard you share it in that detail, so I appreciate it. It's not <clears throat> the most a uh, fun story to have to okay. recount. It is beautiful. It yeah. is. Beautiful. It, is.
1: Um, it is, there is a beauty in it. Um, because the Lord is everything He promises. Mm-hmm. Every single second of everything He told me and um, that He had prepared me for my whole life for this, um, it's truly my life first changed after that um, to a wise woman builds her house on the rocks, yeah. on the rock, because when the storm comes and the winds blow and the floods come, you know, she does not fall because her house is built on the rock. Yeah. And I had four years built my house on the rock and thankfully been able to do it where I poured through scripture and studied who God is. And when you're teaching children who God is, you can't get it wrong.
0: Yeah. You're
1: telling the story of who God is. Well, when actually did Joseph and Mary get married? Cause yeah. I can't figure that out in that story. Yeah. And what exactly did Eve was, was Eve created because yeah. I can't figure that out. I have to go look at that. Yeah. And what actually, what, who actually is Satan and how mm-hmm. did that all happen? And when you study the totality of scripture in context, you really, it's not that difficult. There are difficult portions and things to understand. But when you go hard after contextual scripture understanding, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you get really, your house gets built on the rock. And I knew exactly who God is in those moments. And that is what carried me through all of that. Yeah. And this great season of loss that's gone on now for four years. Yeah. Um, It is truly everything I believe is in who God is.
0: Yeah. I I think I talked to Mark. I've lost track of the timeline, probably the week before that, within two weeks for sure. But I think it was the week before because everything where I was was sort of melting down and uh, he had, uh, what was probably the most pivotal conversation with me in my de- my decision for what was next?
1: Yeah, I remember him sitting in our white room talking to you on the phone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll never forget uh, what he said to me. And and I think, oddly enough, after he passed, I really felt like, I mean, I was I would think I was going to anyways, but I felt a really strong uh, conviction to honor the counsel that he'd given me in honor of him. <laughs> uh, and, and, and cause it was, I mean, it was the right thing to do and it was good counsel, but it definitely took on a deeper meaning for me. Um, and uh, I just remember, mm-hmm. I remember coming to, the wake and I'm having a similar experience right now. Um, Cause I just, I watched like, I mean, literally like 3000 people yeah, come and pay <laughs> respect. And to you, I watched you stand up front. I sat in the back of the room and I watched the whole thing happen. And I just watched you comfort people, mm-hmm. which, I still don't know what to do with, <laughs> uh, and I am so in awe of you. And I know that's really hard for you to receive. And I don't even want you, you to say anything. Yes. I don't. I don't want you to say anything in response to that. I've just never seen anything like it. And I genuinely, and and maybe there's just a really simple, clear answer. But I just, what, what was life like with God? in the days and the weeks after that. Beautiful, beautiful.
1: I, um, so I, I, I walked through with the family and I it, like, you know, the people of our church had just done a beautiful job setting it all up and so grateful to them. And I got to the front of the church and his casket was draped with an American flag and mm-hmm. off to the right was his Bible. Yeah opened to his life first and um you know our friend jeff was like is everything okay and he's mm-hmm. beautiful i was so mm-hmm. grateful i said i would just like to put the bible on top of the american flag mm-hmm. as the highest authority and the greatest thing can yeah. we put his bible on top of the american flag? and he's like of course and i took it in my hands and i looked at my kids and All of our, like my siblings, his siblings, parents, nieces, and nephews. And I said, I read his life first. And I could hardly get through it. Um, And I choked out the words to it, but I I looked at them with all intensity Mm -hmm. that, you know, let me just read it for you now. It's Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter, it, those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And I, I, it was a moment that you have in history that you know that they don't forget. Mm-hmm. And the challenge was... Will they all walk with the Lord? Because at the end of the day, you lose if you don't follow Jesus.
0: Yeah. And, and so, that's what Mark would have one of them challenged with most too. And one of yeah. the most for them, for sure. So
1: I'm a painfully shy and private person. So I'm standing in the back that was created for the family and, you know, it's for the family. And again, the church, just the people of the church, which is so amazing to us. And, um, you know, I'm being told, you have to go out, Jennifer. We have to open the doors. The line is getting so long. The traffic is backed up. And I'm standing there with my children. And I looked at one of the people that was telling me this. And I said, you understand, I've never done this before. You get, I I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. you've done this before. You're a pastor. I right. have not done this before. Maybe you could tell me what to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, so they're like, okay, okay, okay. And so they're like, you're going to go out and stand like this. And so we all went out and I'm standing in front of the casket and the door opens. And the first people through uh, were Mark's youth pastor and his wife from growing up.
0: Wow.
1: And that was the first people through the line and they come right up to the front. And I see these people coming and, you know, my kids are standing next to me uh, down the line and, um, Mark's brothers are standing there and my brother and sister are standing up the line and um, all the way to the door greeting people because people were standing for so long. Yeah, And then uh, very shortly, a few people later, the children and the students sobbing. And I just thought, than who you are God Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that your word is true we've stood up and told them this for their entire childhood Mm -hmm. and like today will not be the day that we fail on this and I made every child promise me that they would love and follow Jesus the rest of their lives no matter how hard life got no matter what happened to them Mm -hmm. because on my saddest day and my hardest day, I believed every word of that book was true. And I would point up to the casket and point to the word of God. Yeah. And that's all I wanted them to remember. Yeah. I said, I wanted every child to know that I still believe that every word of that book is true. And I wanted that for them too. And that's how I got through the next four hours yeah I wanted to remember every person I wanted to look them in the face I wanted to thank them for coming yeah to honor Mark, mm-hmm. they were just precious precious
0: precious people yeah. how you know you there's gonna be everybody's gonna experience loss in life I mean 2020 has been a year of much loss mm-hmm. in to, to varying degrees for everybody and I just, you know, wonder how you would encourage those who either have or are right in the middle of deep Mm -hmm. loss. I think that'd be a good place for us to, to wrap this up. Uh, You've been super, super generous to talk about any of this, but, but to, to people who experience loss, um, how would you encourage them? You know, the top one, top two, three things that you would say, this is what has been critical for me. And this is what I would say to you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I can't talk about this outside the parameters of my faith in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so that's how I know. Um, I would say that for people who don't know the Lord, that this would be the time to run to him and find out who he really is, not who other people say he is, but who Jesus Christ really is and that God wants a friendship with them and to start on that journey. Um, to get to know who God is. And if they simply ask God, are you real? And do you love me? And is any of this true? He will not fail in revealing himself to them.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So that's what I would say to someone who doesn't know Jesus, um, that or believe in God or have Mm -hmm. a faith in God, um, however you want to say it. Um, When, you know, I've met people that have experienced loss that don't have a faith in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I try my best to be loving and comforting to them to show them God's love in those moments.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that isn't the time to preach. Yeah. That's the time to love.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, your actions should speak louder than your words. Um, for people who have faith in God and believe in Jesus Christ on any level. Um, so that's who the people I would talk to next. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and that is, to take the time to be quiet, to listen to the Lord and what he's trying to say to you, that takes you, that takes an immense amount of quietness because even when it's quiet, our minds drift.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So um, I think that this is probably why I don't talk about these things a lot. Um, And, you know, even today a man was praying with me and telling me to not fear talking about these things. Mm-hmm. He didn't know I was going to talk to you. So the yeah. fact that you called me and encouraged me was really a word from the Lord. Yeah. So like what I'm going to share with you, I'm embarrassed to share, but I'm going to yeah. share it. Okay. Great. So, um, like I get up really early.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean the earlier I can get up the better, mm-hmm. but I would say I'm at least up by four 30 every morning
0: okay.
1: and to wake up in the day, and to spend that time in communion with the Lord. We complicate prayer.
0: Yeah. And
1: what it is, sometimes it's pouring your heart, heart out to the Lord, and sometimes it's listening and just living in the moment of breathing Him in. Um, and so you can do that. In, but meditation is really a discipline in our mm-hmm. faith that has been lost. Yeah. And um, meditating on everything that we know about God from his word to what we experience to the moment that we're in is like a constant hum that repeats itself in your head of a familiar song. That is what it feels like. Yeah. And so um, I have this routine in the morning that I don't know if anybody else is like me, but Mm -hmm. I wake up every morning and I look, I'm facing the same way, looking at the same corner of my room. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if anyone's even thought about that's how you wake up in the morning, right? I wake up in the morning and I look at, and in that spot in my room, I put this word called thankful. Before I even get up, before the sun is up, I am, thank you, God, for my bed. Thank Mm -hmm. you, God, for this. Thank you, Father, for this. And I get up and I make my coffee and I start walking the floors of my house. I turn on very few lights and I spend, I mean, like it could go on for hours Mm -hmm. if I wasn't careful. Yeah. You just spend that time with the Lord in communion with him. And I I mean, like, this is super personal. I I start out by saying, thank you, Father, for being my king and my father and making you your priest and your princess. Yeah. Help me to live up to that today and according to your will as my sovereign father and king. Yeah. Who gets to call God your king and your father? Like, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And he's perfect. He's the perfect father. Yeah. When you think about what it means, God's will is God's best.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know why we don't call it that. Yeah. We refer to God's will for my life. It's actually God's best for my life. Right. And I thank him that today is his best for me.
0: Yeah. This
1: is his will for me to live today. And um, there are some disappointments in that because mm-hmm. I wish some things were different in my life, but they're yeah. not. And so I have to say, thank God for his will for me today. Then I go to Jesus and I'm like, Jesus, thank you for being my savior, for saving me that day on the cross, but saving me in all of these moments of my life. And today you will save me too. That's all theology.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And then um, you are the perfect brother mm-hmm. in every way. Yeah. And then I go to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, you are my comforter and my pastor and my husband. Yeah. Breathe on me today and shock and awe me with what you will do today in my life. And I just start confessing my sin and the sin I don't even know about. Not in a guilt-filled way. Yeah. But because my fear of the Lord is I'm going to do something that's going to remove his hand from my life and I'm not going to get his best. And then I start pleading with him for my his best for me. Yeah. Because I only want his best for me. And he attunes my heart and my mind to his will. And he comforts me. And he starts speaking to me. And um, I mean, if you've ever exercised the discipline of just, you know, the phone is so great with being able to play the word of God. Yeah. As you are just like, running or biking, or whatever brings you enjoyment. Mine is, um, you know, I know some people are freaked out by yoga, but it's the best to explain it. Like, yeah. Just like breathing in and out the Holy Spirit yeah. while listening to his word and praying that as you're hearing it back to the Lord. Love that. It is these kinds of th- disciplines that are so lost in our culture. And this time of quarantine and COVID and this season of loss, like you have to h- go to the source of pure knowledge and comfort to get all of that. Mm-hmm. And It may be uncomfortable the first time you do it. And you have to find what works for you. But I can yeah. tell you 10 minutes a day and having like a super clinical way of praying is not going to do it. It's no. not what God, God wants a friendship with us. Yeah. He wants us to speak to him and he wants to speak back to us. And he misses us when he can't, when we're not with him. And I can't go through one day without that routine.
0: Yeah. And it
1: takes a long time Yeah, because I love it so much. That the moment I have to be done with it, I regret it. Yeah. But I have to be done with it. I have children to get to school right. and work to get to. And you know my day needs to go on. But I need to start before the sun's up, early in the morning. Yeah. With
0: that. yeah.
1: And that is what has carried me through. I mean, I could sit here and list everything I've lost in the last four years.
0: Yeah, it's a long list. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: But people are in a season of loss right now. And God is calling them. Communion with Him. Yep. And um, I'm, I just want people to go to the Lord. The same thing I have with Him, you can have with Him, and someone who's listening, wherever they are in the world, can have with Him. I'm not anything special. Yep. God wants that for every person. The beautiful thing about the Lord is a million people could mm-hmm. be having the same thing with Him tomorrow morning at 4:30.
0: Yeah.
1: He doesn't cheat any of them. He's right. never too busy for any of them. Right. He has that with every one of them.
0: Yeah. I know that, um, talking about that is not not comfortable. Uh, talking about yourself is not, not comfortable, but you just, you described, um, what my experience with God has been over the last year, almost to a T, you know, the exact same practices. And, um, so I'm encouraged by that for sure. And, um, and it is, I know when it's, it's intensely personal, so it's, uncomfortable to open up about, but the the people that have been faithful guides to me have been willing to humbly open up about those things. And I think there's no one who will listen to this that won't hear your heart uh, in the midst of that. And so it's very uh, helpful in, in, a, in a really critical way uh, to talk about that. And so I, I just, I just want to say that um, <clears throat> I think that there are probably uh not three to five people on the planet who I admire more than you um, or that I, I I would even admire uh, anywhere close and and what I, I would say to anyone who has listened to this to maybe listen back to it and listen again because uh, you would never say this. And that's probably good, um, but but I would, you know, the Apostle Paul somehow was able to be both humble and to say, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." And um, I, I would say that I, every time I interact with you, I see things in you that I I walk away and imitate as a, as a result of that. That there are a handful of people that I know in my life who, every time I interact with. I, I leave with this sense of I want to know God the way that person knows God. And the last thing I'll say <clears throat> that's more hard is um, I am so confident that Mark is so proud of, and I know that you care most about God, and I believe God's proud because he's been so honored by the way that you have stewarded the last four years. But I just, I know because of the way that I knew him, how proud he would be of the strength that you've shown the, and, and with the strength, the willingness to be helped, you know, a vulnerability in that, which is not easy, uh, especially for people who are strong. And, and I think the combination of those two things have been so clearly modeled for any of us who have the privilege of knowing you has been modeled by you as well as I've ever seen. And so for uh, what it's worth, I'm just very, very thankful that um, I got to lead worship and help you blow out your knee and for everything that it, that it has resulted in. I just never would have thought that leading worship in a school chapel uh, would have resulted in one of in two of the most important relationships that I believe i 'll ever have in my whole life, so i 'm very thankful to God and to you for that
1: just precious and the a treasure to the kingdom and you know we 're just working in the field sowing seeds,
0: yeah
1: and doing the next thing the Lord has asked us to do. Yeah. And um, you're very generous and kind with your words. Um, I feel unworthy of them. And I am so thankful that God made it so easy for me to follow him and know him as a child and for his unbelievable goodness to me. Yeah. In friendships like you and so many other people, but truly you have cheered for me and encouraged me and been so good to me as well. So thank you for that. And, um, it's a crazy time to be a Christian in this country and to be in ministry in this country. Yeah. So continue your good work out there. I will. In God's country. Yeah. You're beautiful. I love you. Your precious children. They're yes. great. Yeah.
0: All right. Thanks for doing this. It's an honor. An honor to see you.